Welcome to the sanctuary. You're listening to DC Radio 96.3 HD4 and dcradio.gov, where we inspire, educate, and empower women of color to unapologetically transform into their most authentic and healthy selves by tapping into the goddess within. Welcome to the sanctuary. You're listening to DC Radio 96.3 HD4 and dcradio.gov, where we inspire, educate, and empower women of color to unapologetically transform into their most authentic and healthy selves by tapping into the goddess within. I'm Wendy Cherry, your host, and I'm honored and hyped to share information about today's topic and introduce my guest. Tariq Omari Walton, a licensed marriage and family therapist and the director of Insight Marriage and Family Therapists, a small private practice in Silver Spring, Maryland. He is also the author of four books, and um, we're going to talk about that too, so I'm not even going to say the name of, of one yet. Tariq has nearly 30 years of television and radio experience previously producing and hosting his own arts and culture television show, Views and Vibes, and co-hosting the long-running talk show, Moon Man and the Fun Bunch. So I guess you were part of the Fun Bunch? I was part of the Fun Bunch. Okay. And so currently, Tariq hosts the King of Hearts, the Kings of the Heart podcast with a fellow therapist, Dr. John Hart. So welcome, Tariq. Thank you, Wendy Cherry. Yes. Can I tell you you have like the perfect radio name? Oh, just thank perfect you. Perfect stage name. When, oh well, I was told. Yeah, I was told it was the perfect horse race horse name. You just said, "Here comes Wendy Cherry wow, running around the." That's hilarious, right? Well, thank you. So it's good to have you here. It's good to be here. Thank you yes. for having me. Thank you for your yes to come on my show. So now, for anybody who's used to being in the sanctuary, you'll notice that it's normally women here. Um, usually, my guests are women, but I had to interrupt that I'm breaking down barriers y'all yeah and bring in my boy Tariq um, because he was doing some great work and I've really been watching what he's doing in lots of different ways for many years we have known each other for 20 almost 21 years It's it's been over 21 years yes when I first moved to DC we worked on a project together and um we stayed connected after that. We actually so, rode a bus together for a company that we work with for 11 days with 40 students on it. And we got to know each other very, very well. A lot of jokes. Yes. A lot, a whole lot of jokes. Yes, because we were a few, uh, one, two of the few that just looked like us. Exactly. And everybody didn't look like us Not in that group. Close. So it was a good way to have somebody to connect with. Mm-hmm. So what I remember first about Tariq is that he wrote a book called It's Just a Damn Date. That's right. Why we expect too much too soon. Now, let me tell you, when I first heard about the book and saw that he was promoting the book, I was hollering because I'm like, it's just a damn date. That is hilarious. (laughs) But then I thought it's such a guy perspective Mm -hmm. because I feel like women don't think that way. And I feel like, you know, we are socialized to when you are going on like your first few dates 
you thinking like that's gonna be my husband or not. Right. And I can see us with the babies. Oh, does he have a baby, you know, good baby making jeans and face or whatever. So for you to say that and what year did you write that book? Nine, oh, it was two thousand six. Okay, I so I remember that. Right. I remember that and I just remember thinking, you know, I'm I was middle age, I was already a divorcee, mm-hmm. I was a single mom, and I just remember thinking like, dang, and I knew Tariq and I'm thinking if he thinks that something is just like a damn date and he's a cool guy, then what are other guys thinking who may not be as, air quotes, cool as he is? But you know what's so funny about that? It's it's so funny to hear you say that, especially when you say how we're socialized. I think oftentimes we are a we are a product of the way that we're raised. But because of our experiences, we can grow beyond that. And a lot of the best information I got in that book, I got from divorced women over the age of 35. Oh. They're the ones who thought more than anybody else that it's just a damn date. They've been married. They've gone through those experiences. <laughs> they recognize they don't want to have to take care of anybody else. Right. And so they just want to go out and have a good time. And okay. so it's when you say that, you know, it's men who think that way. No, women, based on their experiences and what they've gone through, oftentimes will say the same exact thing. Wow. Okay. So I was probably in that age you were, range. You were, you were exactly, yes. exactly within that age range. You, right. you were my market, my target market at that point because a lot of women think like what you're saying, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of other ones based on the same experiences you had that yep. said, look, I'm not in a rush to get back into anything. Right. I just want to enjoy the moment. Well, that's true. So if I think about I'm not being in a rush to and just want to enjoy the moment, that is what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to be married, I think. And I, you know, I got divorced and then people were like, All right, would you ever do it again? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, right. it just has to be the right person. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And my um, my ex-husband is awesome. We cool. Right. But just for a, a relationship of that level, an actual marriage, it just wasn't what we were supposed to do. Now, he's totally remarried with three beautiful new baby girls, mm-hmm. and they good. Mm-hmm. So I think about during that time, I went on a few dates, um, and I met some great people, and I learned a lot about myself, but I also was just exhausted. I'm sure. And didn't want to have to pick up, like you're saying, a whole relationship. I wasn't ready at that time. Because I was trying to figure out who I was as a 36-year-old divorcee in D.C. single mom. Right. Career woman. Right. And that's not the way you entered D.C., you know, 10 years previously. No. And so now you're in a whole different place and you have to discover who you are. And I think a lot of people don't take that time because they're so used to having somebody around. They jump from one relationship into the next one and never have a chance to discover who they've become through those other relationships. Amazing. That's true. Mm -hmm. So I think why I wanted to have Tariq on is because... I'm brilliant. That's why. She wanted to have me on. Well, yeah, because he's brilliant. And his voice isn't his voice soothing. He has a great (laughs) voice. But the other thing was, is because I feel like women sit around and have these conversations Mm -hmm. about what the brothers are thinking. And we don't know what y'all are thinking. Because a lot of times we don't ask. Right. And I wanted to have the male perspective. Because I know so many female coaches or counselors who could have come in, but we'd have just been talking our female energy stuff. Right. And so I wanted to bring a, a male perspective to it. So that's why, you know, I brought Tariq in because I, I want to know. Sanctuary. I like that. Thank of you, course. Family. Of course. I, I really want my listeners to have an idea of 
what we can be thinking to consider maybe to shift some of the things we're doing if we want to be in a partnership. Mm -hmm. Um, So many of my friends are unmarried. Many of them don't even have children and Mm -hmm. we're 45 plus, right? right? And so you kind of like go through life and then you stop and you like, I can't believe I'm 45 with no husband and no baby, Mm -hmm. right? And then society tells you that that's not cool and that, you know, because I think for my generation, we're 80s, 70s, 80s babies. We were told, get that paper. Right. That's the degree. Then get your paper, which right. is the money, right? right? And then, you know, get married and have your children and get your house and do all those things. So many of us just followed that. And we did it at a later date than possibly our parents did, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, a big part of that was like an overcorrection of that sense of dependency that black women had prior to that, which is also not fair to the reality. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I focus on a lot and just my research is around provider goals, um, provider roles, okay. and um, being a breadwinner. And oftentimes we take on this Western mentality of, you know, the man makes the money and then the woman, you know, stays home and takes care of the home and all that. That's never been the reality for the black family. Right. Black women have always worked. They right. worked side by side with the brothers in the fields during our enslavement. Right. Afterwards, um, during Reconstruction, during segregation, there were often times where the black woman could find a job as a domestic, but the black man couldn't find a job. Mm-hmm. And so we've never had a situation where it was just a black man working and the black woman was staying home. That was never our reality. But there was a sense of um, intertwined dependence, you know, interdependence. Right. And we've always had to work side by side. But there were so many bad situations that some black women found themselves in where they couldn't be independent, where they couldn't go out there and do things on their own because they had to have somebody there to help, you know, take care of the house. Right. Um, and take care of bills. That with their children, they taught black women to be completely independent. Yeah. And so that was a complete overcorrection of what of their reality. And so now here you have a situation where black women have gone out, they've gotten their degrees, they've outpaced everyone. Mm. I mean, there's more black women getting PhDs than any other <laughs> any other ethnicity right, right. Or, or or gender. And so they've overcorrected to the point where they've outpaced everybody, including other black men. Right. Okay. And so now it's like, okay, so here I am, 20 years later. Um, I have my degree. I've I've made my money. I have my house. But I don't have that family that I've been looking for. Right. And so what do I do now? Right. Unfortunately, I will say that it's not, I'm not going to say it's too late, but you're not going to have the the image of the family that you imagined you would have before. Okay. okay. Now you have to start looking outside the box and saying, okay, well, what can I imagine a family being now? It's not going to be that same traditional family. Right. I might be a little bit too old to have children now. So what can I make this look like? That would be acceptable for for me and for my right. future, my reality. Um, and you have the opportunity to raise your children. You have an opportunity to raise your daughter in a way that kind of corrects the correction that was made for you. Right. Okay. <clears throat> and that's what I really want to do. Like my whole The Goddess Awakening and Healing Sanctuary is really about awakening to that some of the things that we were taught don't serve us in this modern age. And it was what our moms and our parents did to protect us. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because they love us so much. And they were just overcorrecting from what happened to them, right? right? Mm -hmm. So if you think of a a stereotypical child of the 70s, their parents were children of the 50s and the 60s. -hmm. And so that was uh, um, first generation going to college, many of them. Right, right. And um, first generation in getting 
degrees and then maybe first generation of being the working mom mm-hmm. with no husband in the house mm-hmm. and then the latchkey kid situation. That was us. So, you know, I definitely do a lot of this work and I include my daughter when I can, when mm-hmm. it's appropriate, because I want her to kind of see the the path of how we got to where we are and then empower her to change her you know, to, to make better decisions, make more, not better, more informed decisions right. Right. about what she can be open to when she's creating, co-creating her life, mm-hmm. right? So it's really interesting that we are finding ourselves now in 2018 with all these beautiful sisters <clears throat> and they're educated and they're resourced mm-hmm. and they've they're well traveled and and all those things and they just want a and boo. Lonely. They just want a boo, child. Right, right. right. Just going back to your daughter's generation, millennials and the generation after them, they research is showing that they are actually entering marriage at an earlier time and actually staying married longer huh. than our generation. Okay. You know, <laughs> giving us the name Generation X really fits because we kind of are that lost generation. We, we are, are. That, that middle gap generation where, you yeah. know, we've had all those course corrections and um, people kind of, you know, steered us wrong. Yeah. And what we are doing, we are steering our children a little bit better mm-hmm. so that they are in a better position. And so some of the, I don't want to say traditional values, but some of those traditional ways of approaching things, um, they're adopting those as well, the new ones. And they right. are actually, they are marrying in wow. a way that our generation wasn't. Right. You know, they are a little bit more open. They are balancing things better mm-hmm. than our generation did. So, mm-hmm. again, we are that kind of lost generation. Right. Not saying it's too late, but you just have to take things a little bit differently. You can't right. do what you thought you could do 20 years ago. Right. And then, so my daughter is a, I guess they call it a next genner. She's that, under the millennials. millennials right. But they're netizens, so they're citizens of the net. So they are also, though, getting these, um, they're getting this socialization from being online, and mm. some of it is unrealistic oh, for about sure. relationships. Mm-hmm. So it's our job as moms and dads to help them balance what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, for a two parent. Assuming that as a parent, you understand what a healthy well, relationship say, looks like. Right. As a, it, I was going to say, assuming in a two parent relationship um, that the mom and the dad both are engaged mm-hmm. and they even know what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? To be able to to balance out some of those images, mm-hmm. you know? And so let, me, I, let me just say, as a, as a therapist, I have clients, I work primarily with couples, and okay. I've had clients who've sat on my couch and said, I have never had a model of what it means to be in a healthy relationship, even having two parents there. So mm-hmm. whether you're having two parents or just a single parent, they never had that model. So they don't know what it looks like. So now here they are trying to work out a marriage or a long-term relationship, and they don't even know the first steps they need to take in order for it to be healthy because right. they never had those models. Right. Well, I had my models. I had my grandparents. Mm-hmm. And I had my, my grandparents and their brothers and sisters married. Mm-hmm. So my grandfather's brother married his wife's sister. I don't even know if that makes sense. (laughs) And there was the four of them. They lived across the street from each other. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying everything was PG Keen all the time. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is I saw them together. And I saw my granddaddy like kiss my grandmommy on the cheek Mm -hmm. all the time. And he would always hug her. And when we used to leave every summer from Virginia, she used to boohoo cry. And my my one of my images is him holding her because mm-hmm. she was boohoo crying that her Jersey bird baby girls were leaving her. <laughs> right. 
And I just remember it always felt like love there. Right. And then it always felt like love at my mom's house. You mm-hmm. know, those are her parents. Right. And so we had all the love, but just being able to see those um, relationships long term. I know that some of my friends' parents were still married and together, but mm-hmm. they the dad was kind of like tapped out. Right. 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 The right. dad was tapped out. So still trying to figure out what it is like to be around male energy and what male energy does. I wasn't around male energy growing up. I, it was all women right. besides my grandparents and them, but they passed when I was in my teens. Mm-hmm. So then growing up, it's just what I always say, mommy, Amy, and me. It was just three of us. Right. And so I didn't really have a lot of male energy around. And then, you know, I would be in relationships here and there. But just now, recently, I've reconnected with some bio, with my biological brother. I've never really had a brother to <laughs> offer a male perspective. Right. And he's happily married 13 years. They have a child. And I um, talked to him because, you know, I'm always trying to find this male perspective. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, like, what did you do to find your wife? Because mm-hmm. my brother is wow, he's fun, he's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how did you attract this wife and keep her for this long? Right. And he said, I prayed for her. Mm-hmm. He said, when I was ready to just stop doing whatever, I said to myself, I'm ready. He, he made that decision, I guess. Right. And then he said he prayed and then she came and now they're together. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, well, how, how come it's so easy? It seems easier for guys, maybe. When they're ready, then they just go. Right. But for us, we've been ready. Well, you know, it's funny. I had the total opposite experience. Okay. Um, when I, Me and my ex-fiance, when we got together, it's funny. You actually met her soon after we first got together back in 2009. Um, when Right before I met her, two days before I met her, I remember having a conversation with another vendor friend of mine telling her, Look at everything I have going on right now. I'm trying to get my TV show off the ground. I'm doing a radio show. I'm, you know, I'm just finished another book. Um, I have all these things going on. I'm not in a position where I really want to engage someone because it wouldn't be fair to them. Right. Literally two days later, I met my fiance. So every time I say I'm not in a good place to be in a relationship, that's when somebody comes and and tests me. So it's not just about you know praying for somebody to come. It's even when you're trying not to have anybody that they often come. I think for men, we just have depending on the man and what we're doing with our lives, right. we have a lot more options than you do. You know, as an educated man Bobby. myself, right. I know, but, but that's <laughs> it. I mean, again, it's a numbers game. Right. Um, having worked in university, having worked in HBCUs, and where you see, um, you know, seven, let's say seven out of 10 of these students on campus are black women. Mm. And you might have three men for those seven. Mm. Um, this is a numbers game. There's so many more of you guys who are in those more professional positions than we are. Mm-hmm. And so, again, as a black woman, you may have to look outside the box for something that you may not have considered before. Okay. Not saying to date beneath you, but who's really beneath you? It's just about right. finding someone who's actually right. on other levels with you. They may not be on the same financial level or same social level, um, but they're there. Right. You know, so you have to look outside of what you think you should have. Right. You know, you have to get past the sense of entitlement. Like, I'm entitled to have a man who has what I have. No, no, you're entitled to find someone who's a good match for you. You know, so step outside your your own little box. So y'all should see my face. I'm like, what you mean I'm not entitled? Excuse you. <laughs> exactly. Okay. But that's, that's the whole point. You have to get out of that. But something else I wanted to go back to, um, just talking about male and female energies. Um, I was very fortunate that I was raised with a lot of both around me. Okay. You know, my father was around. Um, I had my older stepbrother. But beyond that, I had, 
you know, my mother's, my mother has four siblings, they're all sisters, they're all, all women. Okay. So I had all of them around me. But not only did I have their boyfriends and their husbands, mm. but also just their male friends. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I had, and this is one of the reasons, if you haven't seen Wendy, Wendy's absolutely beautiful. We've been friends for 21 oh, years, and never had anything romantic. And it's easy for me to be around other women because I've always learned what it meant to have just friendships okay. with people of the opposite sex and how to value that. Right. And so I think it's always healthy to have not just an image of what it means to be in a romantic relationship with somebody of the opposite sex or even the same sex, but to be for for people to be able to see you with um, someone of opposite sex and just be a friend and right. say that's healthy too. Right. You know, so I think you need to have those different energies around as you're growing up. It's interesting because I'm actually going to be doing a show soon Mm -hmm. with a brother um, who's in the city who kind of like creates that experience for women. Mm -hmm. It's called the Sage Men. And I'm still learning about it, but he's going to come and talk about it. His name is Manifest Ra, but it's about... um, being able to be open to that kind of energy and it always doesn't have to be sexual. I think that's where women are kind of um, put off or guarded because usually if you you walk down the street and somebody says, hey girl, you cute or whatever, Mm -hmm. or just hey, you always think like they're gonna come back and say something else. Right. I better start walking fast. Right. You know, thank you and keep it moving, like, right. you know, whatever. And I think that we have to learn how to accept. It's like receiving. Mm-hmm. We have to learn how to receive uh, male energy that's not sexual so that when we're ready for the other part, when we're ready for the sexual energy, then we're we're already knowing how to manage it and right. balance it and right. and um interact with it right you know because most of us not most of us many women that i talk to in the groups that i talk to and i talk to a lot of women all the time you know they are still healing they're healing from high school they're healing from daddy issues Mm -hmm. they're healing from middle school stuff college stuff Mm -hmm. mid 30 40 stuff so there's always a lot of healing going on, I and mean, a lot of it is around the males right, in their life. Right. So, and I'm gonna tell you the reason why that is because a lot of men are healing too. You know, mm-hmm. I um I just finished doing this barbershop mm-hmm. talk series with this organization called Starting with Today. Okay. And they hired me to be the facilitator for this barbershop talk series, and we were at one barbershop. Um, I think it's Lee's Barbershop in South Southeast DC. Okay. We were there for six different sessions between May and August. And I'm just having these conversations with brothers about uh, relationships, about mental health, about well-being, about emotional regulation, all these different things. And every time I do these talks, whether you know it's a panel discussion or a talk in front of an audience or, or one of these um, I'm facilitating, one of the, especially with brothers, I have to let people know black men have never had the opportunity in American history to show their vulnerability, to yes. be vulnerable. Right. You know, and so with all the trauma they've experienced and they continue to experience, they don't have a place to really express how they're feeling. And so they're always put in a place where they are either burying their feelings or they're shifting what they're feeling to anger and frustration. Mm-hmm. And so they don't even know how to... First of all, they can't communicate what they're really feeling because they can't identify what they're really feeling. Right. And so if you're that damaged, and we can go deeper into that too, but if you're that damaged... Imagine what you're bringing home to your wife, to your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine seeing that from your father and your grandfather. Mm-hmm. And so that that emotional confusion 
translate right into unhealthy relationships. Right. And so some of the damage you're talking about these women are healing from comes from that too. You have men who don't know how to express themselves. They don't feel safe yeah. to express what they truly feel mm-hmm. about any kind of situation. Right. So if they're hurting, they oftentimes will not come to you because they don't want to be, they don't, they don't want to feel like a victim. You know, right. or if they do come to you and you shut them down, they're never going to come to you again. Right. You know, so you have to allow them that safe space to communicate what they're feeling. And a lot of brothers don't feel like they have that safe space. But then again, it's about when I had the discussion, I asked the brother, I'm like, you know, why is it that black men always have this um, this 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 image of being angry black men? Right. And the guys are like, well, we are angry. And right. so I said, well, give me an example of something that you're angry about. So one of the guys said, well, my daughter, my 16 year old daughter, um, um, she's living with me. It's just me and her. And I asked her to do something, and she didn't do it. And so, of course, I got angry. Of course, I expressed my frustration at her. And so I said, well, were you really angry or were you feeling something else? She was like, no, I was angry. I was like, well, you said that she didn't do something that you asked. So that's not necessarily anger. Right. That's a feeling of disrespect. Right. So now imagine, and he's like, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. Right. So now imagine if you dealt with her on that level of disrespect as opposed to anger. Make her interact with you and engage the disrespect as opposed to just the anger, which right. is going to get defensive. And right. like, oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. So he went home, he tried it, like, oh, you're right. We have to be more clear as black men and as black women to understand what it is that we're truly feeling in that moment right. and not just what we're Put reacting to. Put it in the to. right bucket. Right. Put the the emotion and the feeling in the right bucket and of what it is. And respond to that. And right. so now when you're coming home, you may be stressed out and tired, but because... Let's say, for example, your wife, you know, as soon as you get indoors, she's getting on you about not having done something before. You may be embarrassed by that, but now you're just showing the anger mm-hmm. because, you know, the frustration. Mm-hmm. But how about saying, well, okay, I'm kind of embarrassed I didn't take care of that, or I'm just really stressed out about my day. Um, can we talk about this later? No, you just you start yelling back, and mm-hmm. now you're going to hide somewhere because you don't want to deal with that. Right. You know, but you have to get past the, the fear of being able to express what you're really feeling so that the other person is informed about what you're feeling and they know how to approach you as well. Right. And how to deal with you on that level. Right. So I'm thinking about human beings in general. Mm-hmm. You know, we are socialized, and I guess it just it's cultural, but I'm thinking of the West. We're socialized to just go hard, hustle hard, to just, you know, suck it up mm-hmm. and to do all these things. But in my studies as an integrative um, health coach, I'm learning that, you know, your emotions are what they are, and every emotion is valid. valid right. It's valid for that moment. Right. And when you allow yourself the time to know what it is, to um, accept it, Mm -hmm. to let it pass, then you won't have it as built up. Mm -hmm. But because we're not taught that, we come just built up. Or even the regulation of it. You know, recognizing that every emotion that you have doesn't need to be expressed in the same way. Right. Just because you are embarrassed doesn't mean you have to holler. Just because right. you're frustrated doesn't mean you have to holler. Doesn't mean you don't have to always express what you're feeling the same because it just now it looks the same. Right. And so anytime you're coming at somebody, no matter what you're feeling, they see the same kind of reaction instead of you being able to modulate it appropriately mm-hmm. to whatever that feeling is. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of us don't. We've never been taught that either. We haven't right. been taught. So just don't cry. That's the only thing. So now you have to do something else with whatever you're feeling, and it comes out as the same expression all the time. Right. So you have to learn how to regulate recognize what you're going through and regulate the actual expression of that emotion. So do you have any tips to be able to do that? Like maybe one or two things you can share with the listeners to learn how to modulate that? First, Sydney would appreciate it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Sid, Sid. Um, 
I think the first thing you have to do is educate yourself on different emotions. Okay. You know, really discover what it is. And, you know, I give people charts all the time that kind of goes from, first, let me do this. You have your primary emotions, you have, you have your secondary emotions. And so, say if you're driving, I use this example all the time. Okay. If you're driving, especially somewhere like in D.C. and you're on 295, and you're just going along, and all of a sudden somebody cuts you off. Yep. And now you're angry. You're angry because they cut you off. Well, your anger is your secondary emotion. Your primary emotion, that first emotion, was fear, possibly, because you were afraid that they might have hit you or they might have okay. caused an accident. Okay. So yeah. recognizing what that, that, that primary emotion is in that situation. So are you feeling, are you just angry to be angry, or is your anger based off of the reaction to another feeling that you're having. So whether you're afraid or whether you are feeling disrespected because somebody mm-hmm. cut you off, you felt, mm-hmm. they felt like they were entitled to you know your lane, and so now you're feeling disrespected, so now it's coming off as anger. Recognize what that initial feeling is. Find, find Get a, a list of emotions, and you'll see that this one emotion is expressed in another way. Okay. And so whether you're embarrassed, whether you're scared, oftentimes for people, for um, especially in our community, um, we will put ourselves in a defensive position where we are trying to protect ourselves so we will be angry to keep people away. Yeah. But we're actually feeling something else. We're feeling sadness or whatever. Right. Identify what that primary emotion is. But okay. you have to figure out, those, you have to get, get, a, get a list of what those emotions could be. Right. And see what it often leads to so that you're not always going to the same place. You're dealing with yourself and other people on that, sing, on that singular emotion. Okay. So now, what do you tell your um, your couples about what a healthy relationship is because it's a healthy oh, that's relationship. Loaded. Ooh, that's loaded, Wendy. That's loaded. But is it is a healthy relationship the same for everybody because we're human beings or does health look different in different situations? I'm it, not sure. It, of course, it looks different in, in different situations. Okay. I think we have some commonalities there. You know, there are certain things and people write about this all the time. There are a lot of great books on it. Um, but you don't want, for example, you don't want contempt. You know, mm. in your relationship, that's mm-hmm. like an end all to everything. Mm. So if you're feeling some kind of contempt towards your mate, trust me, it's going downhill. So you okay. don't want that. Um, you want a sense of peace with mm-hmm. your mate. Um, you want to feel supported. You want to feel safe with your mate. And so those are very general things. Yes. But what they look like will be different in each relationship. Even for you, if you are um, married to one person and what looks healthy in that relationship may look totally different in a relationship with somebody else. Because it's just somebody. It's you're, you're working with somebody. So you're working with somebody else's um, tools or someone else's faculties. And what's healthy in one may not be healthy for something else. Right. So I know people who come in and say, well, I was married before, and this is what it was like. Well, you're not with that person anymore. So right. that might not have been the best situation, the best you know, tools to use. Right. So you have to, um, again, modulate according to the person that you're with. But I think there are some general things, general rules that actually apply to all relationships. Again. Um, you know, you want to have, you want to be with someone who you feel safe with. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't feel safe to be able to express what's going on or feel safe to share what's happening with you, where do you take that? Right. You're ultimately going to take that some somebody else, which means, you know, your 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 mate isn't getting the most from you. They're not getting the best from you. Right. So you want that sense of safety. Um, you want peace. You want someone who's not going to always bring drama to you or feel you or feel that dramatic around you. Um, you want to feel like okay, I can be around this person and breathe. Right. You know, if you can't do that, you're going to have to go breathe somewhere else. Well, let me let me put a pin there for a second. I was in a relationship and I remember being in places where I was with people that I really, really loved Mm -hmm. and he just couldn't make it. Mm -hmm. Right. I remember laughing so hard. 
and just enjoying the moment and being so joyful. And then I was like, man, I wish he was here. Mm -hmm. And then my brain said, if he was here, I wouldn't be able to just do this. Exactly. That's when I knew it was a wrap. Right, exactly. And you recognize those things. I mean, I have a friend of mine, so I have this bro chat, we call it, Mm -hmm. where it's probably um, like three of my really, three or four of my really good friends and even one of my male cousins. And we'll just talk on there and we're just joking around and, you know, point out other more significant things. And um, one of my boys who's married will often look at the bro chat when he's around his wife and he'll just start cracking up. Mm-hmm. And she'll say, what are you laughing at? You know, you never laugh like that around me. Well, that might be a problem. Okay. Yeah. You know, if you're not able to laugh that same way around your mate, um, that means for some reason you're not feeling as comfortable around your mate. Right. You know, and so that's another sign of not being healthy. Right. You know, if you're not feeling that sense of comfort, again, that's something you want to talk about and work on. When I was leaving that relationship, I remember that what I remember the most was that I didn't, I felt kind of comfortable. I definitely felt supported Mm -hmm. in some ways, but what I didn't feel was authentic. I didn't feel like myself. I remember just going basic stuff, going to Marshalls to be like, you like these shoes? And he'd be like, nah, and I'd be like, so I wouldn't get them, (laughs) Right. right? And so I remember when it was over, that I went to Marshall's and picked out my own damn shoes. <laughs> the ones that I wanted. It felt good about it too, it right? It felt so good. It was mm-hmm. the little things. And then one of my friends who's on Facebook, um, she she was, at this time, she was just getting married, an older woman. Mm-hmm. And she was getting married to an older, even older than her, male, okay. right? This girl is hilarious. I want to take her on the road. She She's like the funniest thing ever. And she has so many things going on. Like she's mm-hmm. always sick. She's finishing her doctorate. You know, she has a, a, a baby. She had a baby wow, at like 40 okay. something, whatever, nice. right? She used to say the craziest stuff to her husband on Facebook, mm-hmm. right? And I remember being like, She's just being herself. And right. he loves, he's laughing. Right. And I remember thinking, I could never do that. Mm-hmm. We don't do that. Even when we're in the house, we're not doing that. So between her going to a counselor, a premarital counselor, mm-hmm. and um, you know me feeling like I I couldn't laugh as deeply mm-hmm. and as authentically had I had he been in the room, then I was like, this can't be. Right. Because then I will be not true to myself right? and I'll be miserable. Well, let me ask you this then. What is it that made you stay in that relationship as long as you did? What was it about him and what was it about you guys that made you stay in that relationship as long as you did? Even if you didn't, weren't really cognizant of these things, you know, the, the problems, what made you stay with him as long as you did? Well, we were together for four years. Woo! Right? Go ahead. That's <clears throat> And marathon. so the first year was a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It didn't get real until we moved in. And when I say it didn't get real, it got real day number one. Like, okay, (laughs) the couch is in. Let's go to bed. Okay, we're tired. We moved in. The next day, it was some BS. And I was like, I ain't seen this from this person ever. Right. We were together for probably two years by that point. And we lived in the house for two years. It was instant. And I remember that day being like, yo, I hadn't seen this. And how am I going to be able to deal with it if this is long term? Right. And I realized it was something that just you know about somebody once you live with them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. Right. 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 And then no we doubt. went to counseling and then we both piece piece. Right. But um, 
Also, having already been a divorcee, we stayed, I stayed, this would have been his first marriage, I stayed because I didn't want to fail again. There you go. That's a big one. Right. I didn't want to fail again, and I didn't even introduce my daughter to him until a year, and maybe a year and a half, just a year plus Mm -hmm. into it, Mm -hmm. because I thought I wanted to be sure. So when I felt comfortable enough to bring her into it, then I'm like, now I'm going to have to snatch somebody away from her. Mm Mm-hmm. So it was failure all the way around. But at some point, I realized that I needed to choose myself. I don't even know if I said it that way. Like, Wendy, you need to choose yourself. What I felt like was I got to get up out of here. Because I am miserable. Like, I can't even laugh. I can't have friends over. I am um, feeling like like uh, isolated. Yeah, I would say right. Like my friends didn't even come over my house. Mm-hmm. You know, we just had that rule that nobody come over. That's dumb. That's crazy. That's crazy. Right. And then um, what was one of the red flags that I experienced in the beginning was realizing that there wasn't a good relationship with the mom. They didn't have mm. a good relationship with their mom. Okay. In, and I kind of brushed that aside. Now, I, you know, you always hear that as a child. If they don't have a good relationship with their mom, then you need to figure that out right um but i felt like i was given enough information on as to why the person didn't have it from their perspective from their perspective and i could see it but one day something was happening and my daughter was like five and he was having an interaction with his mom and my daughter was like you shouldn't talk like that to your mom Mm -hmm. and he went off and I was like nah we got to go Mm because you ain't gonna be talking to my child like that either exactly so you know I think there's a lot of different fears that we have of failure, uh, especially if you've already been married, bringing that baggage. Mm -hmm. So we were talking about baggage earlier, Mm -hmm. Um, not kind of like cutting yourself off, blocking yourself. So for for all of us who are out here, what are some things that you can give the listeners, male or female, about not blocking yourself because of your past stuff? Well, let me. I just want to use the example that you use because... Like you said, you were with this brother for four years. And right. within that time, you know, it sounds like halfway through, you recognize that it probably wasn't the healthiest relationship for you. Right. Imagine how many other opportunities you probably let go during that same period of time. Mm-hmm. And so that's one message I communicate to, you know, men and women. You stay in these unhealthy relationships for whatever reasons, whether it's fear, fear of failure, fear mm-hmm. of being by yourself. Um, you know, you just want to have somebody. Mm-hmm. Imagine how many more healthy opportunities you might have let slide by because you're allowing yourself to stay into something that's unhealthy. Right. You know, so that's one thing. Make sure if you are in a relationship, make sure it's a healthy thing, health, healthier thing for you. You'll discover things along the way. Right. That might be a red flag. That might be a sign of it not being healthy. Um, you know, like you said, you didn't discover a certain thing about him until after you guys moved in together. It may take those experiences, but you can't be afraid to let go and put yourself in a better position for your sake and for your child's sake. Right. Because if you're unhappy, believe me, your kids can pick up on that. Oh, yeah. You think you're failing them. No, you're failing them by staying in something that's unhealthy. That's and true. you're giving them that kind of model as well. Right. Um, so you want to get away from that. But you also want to be in a place where you are able to take on better opportunities. And you might be denying yourself that by staying with someone that's not meant for you. Yeah. You know, so get away from that. Right. You know, I would say on the other side of that, too, is some things are hard. You know, it mm-hmm. takes a lot of hard work to be in relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to put the work in. Um, the way I break it down is like relationships take hard work, but the relationship itself should not be hard. Okay. 
you know. Okay. So, you know, it's it, you can work through things. But if you're going through it and you know there's nothing that you can do about it and you're staying in it anyway, that's on you. All right, so you have to change that. Right. You have to change that. Yeah. Um, so that's just one part of it. I think in terms of, you know, once you're out and you're on your own and you're actually, um, you know, looking for somebody, I think we talked about this earlier too in terms of baggage, make sure you're in a good place to be in a relationship. Okay. Take the time you need to heal from your past relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, don't just be with somebody to take up some space or because you're you're lonely. Right. No, you want to make sure that you've taken the time to kind of reflect on your past relationship and your past relationships. See how you've changed, see how, you, how you've grown uh, just to new you so you know what you're presenting to the next person. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to make sure that you are your authentic self this mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. and that you're not just giving what you think they want to see right. to be with you. Because it's so easy to just slide down that yeah. rabbit hole of, well, he wants me to do this. Like, I see my friends let do me, it all Let me the time. reduce myself so that they feel more comfortable. Right. That's not going to last. That's not someone you want to be with. You want somebody who's actually going to be able to support you and hold you up in all your greatness. Mm-hmm. And if you're giving yourself, you know. And, um, you're, and you're when you need a soft place to land. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They have to be there for yeah. you. Yeah. Just like you need to be there for them. Right. But then again, like I said, you need to know where and who you are. When you approach that person, when that person comes into your life, you want to be ready for them. Right. You know, but if you haven't taken the time to heal and you are bringing this baggage, we all have baggage, but how much is your baggage weighing you down? Right. Do you know where to put your baggage so that it's stored away and it's not really interfering as much with your relationship? Have you figured that out yet? Take the time to figure these things out before you actually put yourself out there again. Now, once you have that taken care of and you're feeling more comfortable, you're feeling more confident, you're feeling more authentic about things, then find different mechanisms to meet people. Okay, so we talked about apps mm-hmm. earlier. Right. What I know a lot of women have such bad experience on apps, but then I know a lot of people who have, like one of my friends found his wife and they just had their second baby. Mm-hmm. He calls it um, online pimping or something, something silly, <laughs> but he found his, his wife there, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. um, another friend found their husband there. So I know that it can work. But I know that when I talk to a lot of women, especially if they're 45 plus, we're not used to attracting mates that way. Right. And I think it also kind of make you feel like, I don't want to get online. I just want to be able to go into the crowded room and make eye contact with him when he's walking up the steps. <laughs> and then we have this fire and, you know. So let me ask you this. All right. So in your 20s, you know, you'll go out, you know, you'll go out to clubs and you'll hang out with your friends and yep. stuff like that. How different is the environment of going out into those clubs from being on these apps in terms of meeting people? Um, I have only been on the apps maybe two or three times over okay. a course of a few years. Right. So but either way, you're meeting weirdos. Okay? Yeah, I was going to say yeah, the weirdos. They're, came they're, more than the other people. And they're always going to be there. So those for those people who are afraid of you know meeting weirdos on the apps, you're going to meet people weird people out too. So if you go out to a club, you're going to meet those weirdos as well. Okay. But going to something that we talked about off air, once you're into your late 30s, early 40s, mid 40s, late 40s, you're not going to the same places you went to before to meet people. You know, you're not going out to the club anymore. You're not you're not going to be the old woman in the club. Nope. You know, and if you are, that might be another issue. <laughs> um, I always say I didn't want to be the old man in the club. You know, right. I, I can't do it. I don't want to be that dirty old man in the club hitting on 25-year-olds right. when I'm 45. Right. Um, and so you don't have those same opportunities. And so now you have to be aware of what your opportunities are. So mm-hmm. if you have apps available to you, 
go ahead and use them. Like you, I have friends who've met their spouses online. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. The stigma, get away from the stigma. Don't worry about the stigma of it. You have to deal with your reality. So if you are a working woman and you are, you know, always on the go, what opportunities do you really have to meet other people? Right. You know, you're not going to meet more than likely as a black woman. You're not going to meet other black men in your work environment. Right. Because, you've, like I said earlier, you've outpaced them. Right. And so they're not going to be there. So where are they? Right. Where, where are they? Where are you going to find them? Well, that's them? why we brought you here, Tyreek. Where are often, they at? Often, they're all around you. Oftentimes, <laughs> they may be on apps looking for you, mm-hmm. just like you're looking for them. And you may have to go through a few weirdos to find the right person. But you have to be there. You have to, you have to be in the game to win. But I do want to say this. I'm asking these things for a friend. Okay. <laughs> of course, of course. We all have friends. And I'm sure a lot of you listeners out there are in this situation. Yeah. But you have, to, you have to figure out what your reality is and what you can do. So trust, no one's knocking on your door saying, hey, I've been looking for you. Right. Come on with me. Right. This, this is what you've been looking for right here. No, that's not going to happen. If you're not going out to clubs, and more than likely you weren't going to meet your mate in the club anyway, whether right. you're 25 or 45. Um, well, the funny thing was I <clears throat> I met my first husband at the club. Mm. <laughs> I did. Well, well good situation <laughs> to come out of that. You know, you, you, oh, the gardens. Yes. Uh, I think we went there too back in the yes. day, didn't we? Yeah, yes, we, we did. There. Yes. But, um, you know, so, but more than likely, this is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to figure out where you can meet people. And so online, there's nothing wrong with online. I have a really good friend, I was telling Wendy this off air, I have another really good friend that Wendy reminds me so much of. I mean, they are like twin spirits. Nicole is hilarious. Um, But her husband, she had known for years because he was a friend of her older sisters. Okay. And so, you know, when she first, you know, when they first started hanging out, she didn't think it was going to come from it. Just, you know, her sister's friend. But they ended up developing a relationship. They had a kid, got married, had another kid. And now they've been together for going on nine years. Um... That's a reality for a lot of people, too. You may have people in your world already that you may not have considered before Mm -hmm. that may be perfect for you. Mm -hmm. But it's a matter of just being open to those experiences and talking to different people. You know, oh, I don't, you know, I have a really good friend who has parties all the time. And she has all these single friends are always there. She has some friends who are married. And, you know, you could go there and just see somebody who's seen for years and all of a sudden something about the light hits them differently. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? The I, way they was like, hey girl, is different than how they said it right, the first time. seven years ago. And so now you're looking like, oh, you know, I never considered you before. Let's see where this goes. You have to be open to those experiences. And so again, you can meet people wherever you is, but <laughs> you have to be open to seeing them for more than just whatever you've seen them before, before right. you know? So you just have to be open. Okay. So intimacy Ah, yes, intimacy. What do you My tell specialty. your yes. well, what do you tell your clients about intimacy? Oh, that is like the key to so many different things. Okay. I kind of break intimacy down into four different areas. Okay. Um, of course you have physical intimacy, which is more than just sex. You're talking about um, the closeness with somebody, you know, holding hands and um, cuddling up, that sense of physical intimacy. That's mm-hmm. major. Right. But what often leads to that are the other areas. You know, the way that you strengthen physical intimacy is by strengthening the other areas of intimacy. So you have physical intimacy, you have emotional intimacy, you have intellectual intimacy, mm. and you have uh, spiritual intimacy. Okay. okay? Yeah. And so the way I break that down is with spiritual intimacy, you're looking at somebody not who necessarily, not necessarily shares your religious beliefs, but someone who um, 
has a similar world view to you. Okay. You know, someone who has an understanding of the way that the world works and how you interact with the world as you do and how you treat people. Okay. That's spiritual intimacy. When you're talking about intellectual intimacy, which has always been um, something I've really had to work towards with certain people, is because everyone's not on your level. Yeah. And so you want to have somebody who doesn't think necessarily just like you think, but who has the ability to process things in ways that um, maybe someone else can't. You know, you want to be able to um, be able to work on projects together in a way that, you know, is helpful for both of you. Mm-hmm. And so you want to make sure that your intellectual intimacy is strong as well. When you get into emotional intimacy, now you're talking about the way your heart speaks to one another. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you may have great emotional intimacy with a number of different people, but in terms of the romantic side of it, and that's what really comes in, the romance, um, you know, you want to have strong intimacy. The stronger your emotional intimacy is, Shoot, the stronger your intellectual intimacy is, the mm-hmm. stronger your, your emotional intimacy would be. So think about someone that you hang out with and that you have great intellectual intimacy with, that you can talk about anything mm-hmm. for any amount of time. Mm-hmm. Imagine how close that makes you feel. That really helps you develop that sense of emotional intimacy because now you feel so much closer to that person. Right. Once you start to develop or continue to develop that emotional intimacy, um, now you start to feel more romantic towards that person. Okay. And so that physical intimacy starts to play in. And so the, the stronger your emotional intimacy is, the stronger your physical intimacy is. Because now, now you have this another, uh, another layer of attraction. Outside the physical, you have this emotional attraction that you can't get away from this person. Mm-hmm. And now you take that somewhere else. You take mm-hmm. that to the couch and you're just sitting there cuddling. Um, you take that when you're walking. You, know, you just want to feel close to this person. Mm-hmm. And then you take that into the bedroom. And mm-hmm. so now the physical side takes over. And because you feel so much closer to this person, it's, it's a better experience. Right. You know, so you have to have those different, break break down those different levels of intimacy and figure out what you need to do in each one of them to feed the next. And then it's a cycle. So now if you have great physical intimacy, now you can feel closer to them in other ways too. So it strengthens your emotional intimacy. Mm. And so it just feeds back into the cycle. It creates this loop. But mm-hmm. you have to know what those areas are and who the person you're with and what they have to offer and how you can strengthen those bonds between each other. Right. Okay. So most of my listeners, I'm assuming, are um, African descent. And so... What's up, my peoples? Yes. So we are kind of thinking, we're kind of socializing thing, and I guess the numbers play it out, too, that we are the ones who are most fractured as far as a family unit. Mm -hmm. And you may know better than me as far as statistics. Mm -hmm. Does that seem true? Sound true? In terms of America? The units, yes. The family unit. I would say it's it's... Close. It's close. I think um, we get very used to seeing what the media tells us mm-hmm. is true. Mm-hmm. I think if you go across the country, you'll see a lot of fractured families of all backgrounds, of all ethnicities, okay, um, of all you know gender um, types. Um, so I think we, I mean I think not even focusing on anybody else, we have a major problem. And I'm you know, asking, we don't have to compare. Just to say we have a right, major we issue. have a problem. So I'm asking, what kind of advice can you give? All, you know, the, the brothers and the sisters, like we want to connect. Mm-hmm. We're all in our corners, probably feeding, um, soothing wounds or mm-hmm. maybe feeling not um, sh- not strong enough or not uh, like s- have enough self-esteem to really make those connections. Mm-hmm. What do you say to us who really want those things as a therapist, as somebody who's trained, as somebody who's in a great relationship? Um what do you say to us to, to help that, to, to change that, shift that? I, I think it means layered. There's so many layers to this. But I think the main thing is I'm, I can be very traditional in some ways and just in terms of um, culture and history. 
I think one of the things, major problems that we have in our culture is that we do isolate ourselves. Okay. And that we've gotten away from having strong social networks. Okay. I think the the feelings that a lot of us have in terms of um, of feeling lonely, of being scared, of um, whatever these negative feelings we have, part of that is because we're not interacting with other people the way that we should. And not just in terms of romantically, but just socially. Okay. And having those strong social networks and recognizing you're not by yourself. Recognizing the worth that you have and how that um, how that plays into other people's lives. You know, so for those people who are near suicide and think, okay, you're just damaging yourself, no. There are other people in your world that you're not even aware that you're going to affect right. by your loss. Right. You know, and so strengthening those bonds, strengthening your social bonds um, is a major thing. That will open up the opportunity to meet more people. Okay. You know, if you want to be in, if you want to find somebody, that'll give you a chance. So if you are hanging around more people, you will meet more people. They will expand your social network, um, and not just online, but like physical social network. Right. You have to take the time to really continue to build that. So whether it's, I would say I've been very fortunate that you know no matter where I lived, I've always built good friendships. And mm-hmm. so wherever I go up and down the East Coast, I know people all over the place because. I've developed those friendships and I maintain those friendships. Mm-hmm. I never feel like I'm by myself. Mm-hmm. You know, even if I'm sitting at home by myself, I know there's someone I can pick up and call. Right. You know, um, I think we need more of that. You need to feel comfortable with other people and just develop that part of yourself in terms of, you know, who you are. That's sort of like your individual responsibility. Yes. Like we all have an individual responsibility to get ourselves to the point where we can attract this person well not just a person but in terms of people, people. in general you okay. know, again this is social networks and so you want to have a, a strong sense of, of people around you um, people that you support and people that can support you that translates into healthier relationships because now you're not just solely dependent on the person you're with to help um, help support you mm. you know you want to have people feeding so you're not putting so much weight on one person to fulfill all your single needs. Mm-hmm. You know, being with, being with one person, you shouldn't have to turn to that person to do everything with you or for you. Right. You want to you want to give them some space to to breathe, you know, miss right. each other a little bit. You know, right. give each other that that distance so you can come back and be like, "Oh man, I miss you so much. Mm-hmm. Let's really engage now." Um, so if you have friends, if you have coworkers, whoever, just other people you can be around, I think that helps out your relationship because you have more to talk about when you guys get together. Gotcha. Um, so you just need to broaden, you know, your your perspective and your your your, your network. Um, now, when you're with somebody, I think the the number one thing you can do to strengthen that um, that relationship is to really understand who that person is. Okay. You know, not based off of. Um, what other people tell you or who you assume they are or what you want them to be, not projecting what mm-hmm. you want them to be, but understand who they really are and approach them with a sense of compassion, a sense of empathy. You know, when you talk about, when you ask me about when, when I'm working with my couples, empathy is the biggest thing I have to work with them on and mm-hmm. validation, being able to mm-hmm. validate your your mate, helping them recognize that what they're feeling, even though I may not agree with you, I can understand from your perspective why you feel that way. So being able to validate their feelings and let them know what you do feel is valid. I recognize that. This is where I disagree. Where can we compromise? Mm -hmm. So having that sense of empathy, being compassionate, being understanding. If you work on that with someone, there's so much wealth that can come from that. But if you're only focused on what you're feeling, if you're always getting defensive about what someone's saying to you, you're going nowhere. You have to be open. Mm -hmm. And so learning how to communicate in a way that allows you to both be um, available to each other's understanding. No, that's what you want to work on. 
So if we call your girlfriend today, do you do all that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And see, you can ask anybody. Everything I'm talking about, I do. What often happens is you discover that you're just not a good match. Gotcha. And I'm not going to stick. If I realize that we're not good together, there are things that may be great about us. But if we're not a good overall match, we're just not a good overall match. Every one of my exes, even the one that you met, you might have met a few, um, they all married somebody else and they're all in very fulfilling relationships now. Okay. So just because they weren't a good match for me right. doesn't mean they weren't a good match for somebody else. Right. I got out of your way and most of the time they meet the next person and they marry the next person. Mm-hmm. That's where you want to be. You want to okay. be with the right person for you. Right. Okay. Well, this has been awesome. Yes, Wendy. Yes. So you, we want to be with the right person for us. For those of you who are looking for relationships, you know, I think that Tariq said being um, realistic, but also there's some personal responsibility in a releasing a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like what I work with my clients on is just like releasing some of that baggage and releasing some of the pain and the trauma mm-hmm. and... Um, Realizing, identifying that is there because mm-hmm. so many yeah. times we may have seen it in our families for so many years and we don't even it's realize normalized. that it's normal. Right. Right. Like my aunties, all my mom's sisters, all my aunties didn't have a man. Mm-hmm. They might have had a boyfriend running up in there once or twice. Right. Or he was somebody else's husband. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I think sometimes we're socialized to see that, but that doesn't have to be you. That right. doesn't have to be what you choose for yourself. Everybody chooses. Um, Everybody can choose. Some like I'm just learning that I can choose stuff too. Yes, you and then can. I can also say no. You don't have to be a victim to your reality. Right. So we don't have to do that. And so I think in relationships that's one thing um, you know, to to know and to feel confident in, just do the work ourselves and then be open to going to other places and you know, being able to be open to the other ways to meet people. Right. But we have no seconds left, but I wanted to say I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I I'm remember proud of you. you being on K Street and 19th out in the out cold with blocks. your books. <laughs> and I remember I rolled past, I'm like, that, he's out there doing it. So I'm grateful that you came. Um, please join us again in the sanctuary. You can find me on Instagram at Awaken and Heal and on uh, goddess-awaken.com and go to Tariq Omari Walton.com to need some therapy go see my boy <laughs> there you go and thank you thank you Thank you for listening to The Sanctuary. Please follow us at Awaken and Heal on Instagram and on the web at goddess-awaken.com to follow the revolution.